Hello, friends! Welcome to episode 124 of Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the best tabletop role-playing game that you can. Whether you're a new storyteller or dungeon master learning the craft, or an experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level. I'm Sarah. I'm Rob. How are we doing, Rob? Full. Yes. We had good dinner. That was tasty. Uh, chicken tikka masala. It was good. Homemade. It was so yeah. good. Yeah, it's, the house still smells fantastic. So. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, you have a game coming up. Oh my god, I am. We have been talking about it. <laughs> I am so, like, immersed in Savage Worlds. I have been working on getting terrain pieces, like, printed and built and painted. Uh, That's awesome. I've got it all laid out on my table right now, and I am so happy with how all my terrain looks. Um, I'm getting the last couple miniatures that I need painted off. That's awesome. And I am just raring to go. I, I am excited, and I'm excited that we have some people in our live chat. Good to see you again, Hulavu. Oh, welcome, hey, welcome to the, the uh, Welcome doing? back to the Conclave. Good, good, good. good. Um, we're glad to have you here tonight as well. Uh, and uh, to you as well, Nox, uh, hi- Hype Extreme. Um, we are, uh, we, we kind of, this topic, we, um, we kind of got into months ago. It came back up again when we were talking with Seth, actually, mm-hmm. um, how important it was. And I had the idea that I wanted Seth to be involved uh, and then dropped that ball completely. <laughs> so, Seth, if you're listening to this later, please take notes. Yeah, Because um, right we would love to we'd love to come back to this at some also, point. Also, hi, Seth. Hey, Seth. Um, and, and to any of you out there who are listening to us, because I was taking a look at statistics today, and uh, apparently our, our numbers are, are, are good. It's like we're, cool. we're, we're creeping. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we have listeners all over the place, which is fantastic. I'm happy to hear we've got people all over the world. Like, that's wonderful. And please come join our Discord. We'd love to have and hear from you and get ideas from you and and include more people. Please. Yeah, please. absolutely. Because um, we want more ideas. We want more ways that we can make the Conclave better. More so. voices, more questions. Yes, you know, please. More, more please. feedback on what topics you'd love to see. We'd love to see all of that. Yeah, yeah. Or, or, or systems that you want us to review. I mean, even if you want us to review a module, let us know. Yeah. Yeah, we well, we recently got a got a got a new uh, a new listener on our on our Discord. Yeah, introduced us to a new to a game that we I, I'd never seen before. We're, we're, we're uh, Mork Bork. Yeah, we're totally. I mean, the first time I heard that, I was thinking, is this like Gorkamorka, the Monster Truck Rally from uh, Warhammer Forty K? Yeah, that was actually where where my brain went too. <laughs> but uh, apparently, it is an ultra grim, dark, yeah. rules light fantasy setting. I'm I'm gonna go look it up. Like we're gonna put this into our rotation somewhere. Um, um, I mean, it was it was outright like make a few characters, you'll need them. That's uh, fantastic. Here is uh, a monster manual. Wait. These are twelve interesting monsters to murder your players. So with. is this the rogue type of tabletop RPGs? It really <laughs> is. Like yeah, it was. I, I I didn't look too terribly much into it, but uh, it's um, it's definitely rules light. Yeah. Uh, it's like a little one page. Uh, one oh, that's like, fantastic! Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. That, and, I like uh, I like that. Uh, even even just the like uh, the artwork on the character sheets and stuff like that is just covered in skulls and dripping blood and just I mean it it is it is a game that definitely telegraphs what it is all about. That is and, awesome. Uh, that is awesome. Hey, Overwatch! I can see that you're still typing, but I'm glad that you're here. I think there's a launch today, so he's he's probably dual watching. I oh, think, wow. I think tonight is one of the uh, SpaceX launches, and we'll hear about it. But uh, oh, on Tesla Vision, we're on Tesla Vision as well. That's fantastic. Oh, all right. So uh, glad that we're coming in loud and clear. But we our our topic is long. We 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 realized as we got into this that there was a lot to talk about, and we just kept going. 
Like we, yeah, we, yeah, it was good. It, it was like it got deep because it, the, the funny thing about this topic is uh, what we're going to be talking about tonight is the tone. Yeah, let's of your get game. into it. Let's and it, it just it 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 sounds like such a small thing, mm-hmm. like the tone of your game. Oh, okay, so it's a saw, but it's not genre. Nope. it's not setting theme. It's not setting. It's that weird thing in between that you can't quite put into words of what it exactly is and it's not just handled by the gm but it's what your game feels like and it's what your game i don't yeah like so so when we're talking about tone the way i always put it is that it is an unspoken agreement between the storyteller and the players of how the game is to feel moment to moment between how the players, how the characters are interacting with the story, mm-hmm. and I know that sounds kind of esoteric, it's because it is. It's it's really hard to wrap on it. But the easiest way that I can say is this: when you're watching a TV show or a movie, um, I'm going to use the Harry Potter movies as a good example to start with. Not that they're a great movie set. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying that the tone of the first movie is, you know, uh, investigative kids, yeah, in in a school setting. Like, they're not going to pull out nine millimeters and go bling, 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 you know, and shoot things or pull out their wands. They're literally just doing investigation and discovery, Mm -hmm. and things are spoopy, and they're going to get into trouble. There are chocolate frogs and moving baseball card pictures and a giant chess game that they have to play in real life. Yeah, I mean, it's there's definitely stakes, but everything feel, as it races in, it still feels like a bunch of kids... Who are just barely in trouble, right? Right. At all right. times, and you then know. You fast forward to book seven, and right. it's like the end of the world. The right. school has been shut down because the army of darkness has risen, and the consequences are death. Yeah, uh, and and or worse. Yeah, you know, not not just losing your life, but like losing the lives of other people around you as well. Losing your soul, losing yeah. your memory. A lot so, of bad stuff happens. So yeah. the tone of, of Harry Potter does an active shift through the movie slash books. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what we're talking about is you're, we're talking from not only the storyteller imparting it upon the story, but also how the characters are reacting to that story in part with the way that it moves. Yeah, and it, it, altogether what, what tone kind of does for you is sets what um, uh, what is essentially quote-unquote realistic, and uh, the, the word is verisimilitude, the feeling of reality. Uh, and so, like, for, for instance... Um, one of the examples I saw uh, when when talking about this this exact thing was um, uh, people in Dungeons and Dragons arguing about whether or not you can throw a fireball underwater. Yeah. Okay. Or if you throw it at the water, does it just hit the water and end? Right. Right. So you've got you've got the, a group of people who will be telling you that that's unrealistic because fire, you know, water will stop the fire, right. etc. You've got other group of people who say this is it's magic. Right, like magic doesn't have to follow reality, correct? Okay, and stuff like that. Um, and and what we're talking about is is basically everybody's verisimilitude, the the sort of things that they will accept as quote unquote realistic within the span of your game, correct? And tone dictates a lot of that, right? And the other part about this that makes it even more challenging is the fact that each person 
has their own preferred version exactly of their own suspension of disbelief that mm-hmm. that um word that i can't say ver verisimilitude 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 i can never say it right uh-huh. when i look at it it throws my brain off completely so your perception of what you think is rompy and light mm-hmm. is different than what i say and because of that when we start interacting with the world and it's, it doesn't match the tone doesn't match suddenly we don't harmonize on our game tone setting yeah um so that's kind of what we're going to get into today we're going to talk a little bit about that uh at various levels and kind of break it down a little bit so that um number one you don't feel like you're doing it wrong and two for as either a player or as as a storyteller but also that everyone messes this up oh yeah all the oh, time yeah. all yeah, the time and and we're going to point out some of those real quick here and it, honestly it, it's it's one of those things where it's very difficult to keep you know 100 percent even keeled in a, in a role-playing game like even in mine um you know what one of the things i was uh uh, giving you as an example was one of our players. Um, I asked them, they, or I, I, I proposed an inn that you guys would stay in, and this other player went, "No, no, 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 no. We are going to the slum side of town. We're staying in the crappiest place we can find." Right. I said, "Okay, well, I don't have a name for a place like that, so you tell me what is the what is the name of the place you stop?" And uh... the surly Girl Scout Inn. Yes. Was the was the name I was given. Now, yes. we are playing an Elder Scrolls campaign, so Girl Scouts do not exist. Nope. And I kind of sighed and rolled my eyes because this was not the tone of my right. game. My right. game is a particularly serious tone. Yep. And so someone coming out with a surly Girl Scout was like, are you kidding me? And I kind of had to take a deep breath and was like, all right. There's a space between girl and scout. This is not a proper yes, name. There are correct. no Girl Scouts. But you can be a girl and you can be a scout. Yep. So this is the Surly Girl Scout Inn. Yes. And then I brought it immediately back from that humorous moment where mm-hmm. it was outside of the tone of my game. Yep. And was just like, okay, it's a rickety bullshit little place that is, mm-hmm. you know, leaking roofs and creaky beds and odd stains and you know brought it right back down to the serious tone right you know but that was one of those moments where yep. it was just like it that conflicted with the tone and there was there was an obvious dissonance mm-hmm. at the table you know yeah. no i mean and that's kind of where i'm gonna I take a step into this from what you said there and, and kind of hit our first point which is does the system or setting determine the tone because I say system and setting together. No, we, we had two different two different uh, answers right. on this one. Because because my thought is is that it doesn't I, at least not the mechanics of it. If you go to the base level system, some systems like you, we were kind of agreeing with, like mm-hmm. Vampire the Masquerade has a tone, a game of personal horror. Yes, yes. that's literally stated on the cover. You know, within the cover, I would say. Uh-huh. Um, you know, uh huh. You know, those types of games uh, where the setting and the and the mechanics are bound together in one tend to have a tone kind of established for them yeah and and even like you were stating which i kind of agreed with as we were going through that sometimes mechanics uh can define help define or can give you a a feeling of what tone they're trying to go for um but my whole thing behind it was is that that's not always true and it's not always as obvious. Like, if I'm playing a game, if I grab a game system and it's one of my first game systems I've ever played, and the reason why I'm gaming in that system is because 
I I witnessed a pro, a a version of it. For instance, I started with Robotech, mm-hmm. and my vision of that came from the campy uh, cartoon that I saw as a kid with giant robots and larger-than-life heroes that were pulling off these unbelievable maneuvers, and there really wasn't a lot of concern, but it was a lot of technology and a lot of, like, individual things and some terrible singing, you know, but that's where I felt the tone of Robotech was. Sure. But if you look at the rules that are underneath it, Palladium's rules, it's a simulation. Mm -hmm. It's a tactical simulation at its finest points. Yeah. You have a OCC, an occupational character class. You are specified to be in the military. These are your equipment. These are the individual rockets and how much individual damage each individual rocket does. And there are four charts that you roll through to eventually hit a target. Yeah. You know, it is exceptionally simulation and tactically designed and therefore creates a, by system, a very realistic uh, design. Yeah. And and Prince is that, but if your perception of that comes from a campy cartoon, there's some separation there. Now, if you follow other aspects of Robotech, some of the manga, some of the other comics that came out from it, and then follow things, you might come at it with a very different, almost tactical ghost in the shell or Gundam kind of feel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and have a very more... Uh, simulationist tone in your mind, but that's that's where I feel that the system doesn't always determine the tone. But I think a lot of times it's presented that way, and a lot more now than it used to be. Yeah, and I I mean I I I I see where you're going with that. Your D and D analogy was great. But I loved I, that. I think I I tend to disagree with you, and, and I, that's don't, I don't I don't think we're you know we're not far. This, these, these neither of these are hills to die on. <laughs> God, no. uh, but, I'm not a Breton, uh, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, because then you'd be a king on that hill, King Rob. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, I, I mean, for, for for me though, like I think every every game system has a tone, uh, whether you realize it or not. And I mean, whereas the tone of Palladium very clearly conflicts with the tone of the source material, mm-hmm. the game still has a tone. It does. It's very realistic, very simulationist, very military. You know, mm-hmm. uh, sort of sort of feel to it. Um, and that right there uh, informs how your characters will be played. Um, you can play other things, but you will be fighting against the system to do so. And I agree with that. And so what you were saying is my, my, my D&D analogy is mm-hmm. uh, talking about D&D is that it is a uh, tactical combat simulator mm-hmm. with a role-playing system tacked onto the side of it. Yes. Um and uh, and I will die on that hill. Oh no, that's fine. You I'm can, with you. You can at me on Twitter if you want. <laughs> I will fight with you. Uh, but uh, uh, the 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 thing about it is is that like every every character class in that game is a combat capable hero, and really the only choice between classes is not what who do you want to be, but how do you want to do damage to your targets? Yeah, is really the only choice. Yeah. And do you want to do it with some healing spells or do you want to do it with some utility spells mm-hmm. or things like that? But, like, really, it's how do you want to do damage to targets? Yeah. And that's 90% of every ability on every class accounted for right there. Yep. So what it is is you're getting – in. it's an interesting catalog full of hammers 
<laughs> but it's still hammers. And then the Monster Manual is just an interesting catalog full of nails. Mm-hmm. And that's just a game about uh, what sort of fancy hammer do you want to use to pound these fancy nails. Yeah. And that right there is going to inform how you play D&D. Yeah. I mean, you you can definitely do other things with it, but the moment you step away from pounding nails, it feels challenging Mm -hmm. to achieve those goals and to keep the tone. Yeah. And so if you want a different tone for your character or for for your game, you're going to have a hell of a time trying to not have uh, combat-oriented characters that want to try to go murder hobo because you loaded them up with a bunch of combat abilities and then told them not to use them. Yeah. You know? So the tone of that is going to follow a very combative, very heroic, very, you know, Mm -hmm. confrontational uh, a tone, whether you know whether it's a serious or whether it's grimdark yep. or whether it's lighthearted, one way or another, your tone is going to be combative. You know, yeah, yeah. That's one of the big reasons for the for my move to Savage Worlds. Yeah, and and um, Heatsink brings up in the the thread that we actually talked about this with SCP as well that the the game system sets a very odd tone juxtaposition to the mechanics versus what it's about because yeah. it's it's effectively kind of a mystery story yet you're this very ops militaristic designed character so it feels oddly leaning in a direction yeah yeah absolutely yeah this is this is scp the tabletop role playing from the foot soldiers position or from the investigators position i mean i think you can make scientists and stuff like that in there too reasonably well but at the end of the day it's a very simulationist system uh, I mean, highly Correct. simulationist system. Yeah. And so, one way or another, your tone is going to be very realistic. Mm-hmm. So if somebody tries to do something pulpy, or tries to do something that maybe is... Well, you you actually bring this up a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, about, like, the, the tonal difference between uh, uh, the Lord of the Rings movies and The Hobbit. Yes. And that's, I think, what I'm talking about. Correct. Okay. So, do you, do you want to go into that? I mean, yeah, we can jump to that. That's fine. Because um, I because I think it's a good segue to talk about like what what the difference in tone between like a realistic versus a uh, so yeah so we, a pulpy when, you, when we're talking about when I was talking about Lord of the Rings the the the, the Lord of the Rings uh, fellowship all the way through to and uh, and that section of the series mm-hmm. um, uh, it is very fantasy but it is very tactical the characters are all doing things in a in a much more realistic frame granted there is leeway for fantasy within it but there is very little um ridiculousness um a, a good example of some of the serious tones that are going into it is when gimli literally has to toss or has to be tossed across because he won't make the jump uh-huh. that is a tactical decision that two players are like, okay, well, we're going to have to do something ridiculous here. And the GM's like, ah, uh, okay, uh, y- you could throw him. You're not super strong. Right. But you make an athletics roll first, Legolas, to right. see if you're strong enough to throw him. And then you make an athletics roll based off of his success. Right. To, to see if to you can l- use that throw to effectively make the jump. To make the jump. And and those types of things are the, is what we're talking about for, for, for handing those kind of tactical moments. On the other hand, in you Savage have, Worlds, that's yes, a support role. You have the Hobbit, which literally is teeming with ridiculous heroics 
that defy logic. Mm-hmm. They fell, let's be conservative, a thousand feet down a, a, a chasm, f- slamming into various objects along the way on a bridge. On a rickety wooden bridge. bridge that not only it survived, but so did they. All the way to the bottom. Okay, and if that isn't enough, Legolas literally at the end defies gravity. <laughs> there are falling rocks that he is stepping on to leap off of, and none of that makes any damn sense. I mean, it's a it's a beautiful scene. Don't it's get... visually appealing. But 100% does not meet the same level of consistency of realism. The same verisimilitude. That we had from the previous game mm-hmm. or from the previous story. So if you literally are like, oh, we're going to you know, run this campaign. Uh, it's the prequel to our campaign that's going to explain where this ring came from and how it got to this dude. Great. Okay, cool, cool, cool. I'm, I'm actually going to play him. Okay, that's great. You uh-huh. know, we'll, we'll start this off in that direction. We'll see how you get the ring. Wonderful. Okay, okay. And, yeah, it and- turns out 20 years before the story where you were doing very realistic, very grounded stuff... You could actually jump on rocks and bounce around like a damn superhero. Right. Yeah. And and that's that's kind of where that and and here it comes. Overwatch just said he rolls a twenty. Yeah. And this is the part where we're gonna start talking about things. Oh guys. Failing to be consistent uh-huh. with your tone. That is your problem as a storyteller. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's one of the one of the biggest ones is uh your twenties and your ones. Right. And when, all of a sudden, reality turns on its axis and breaks. Right. So, one of the things that I was reading about um, from, the, I think it's the Angry GM. Mm-hmm. Um, it, he had a beautiful write-up on this. I, I'm going to put a link in Storyteller Conclave for it so you guys can go read it. It is fantastic. And uh, one of the things that he gets into heavy detail about, which was something that both of us were thinking of, but we couldn't put into words, and he did such a beautiful job, was... We as storytellers do not follow procedure every time, and that is one of the biggest faults that we have. Yeah. A player wants to do something. We're then supposed to ask them, what are they trying to do? Mm-hmm. We then make a decision if it's even possible. Then they roll. Then we determine the outcome. Yeah. And it's that crucial step of deciding whether or not they can do it. After they tell us what they're doing, attempting to do. And a lot of times we just kind of depend on the dice to screw them over. So we just say, okay, make a roll, whatever. I'm going to set the difficulty really high. Okay, if you don't want them to do it, don't set the difficulty really high. Because I guarantee what will happen is a 1 or a 20. Right. More often than not, it's this 20. Right. So where this comes into play, and there there were three examples... Uh, where where that he gave, but I think two of them really shine the greatest, and one is uh, uh, one that he had that was that is way 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 overused and is constantly thrown out in almost every form that I've ever seen. Is someone trying seduction? Yep. I'm going to seduce the guard. I'm going to seduce the basilisk. Yeah. Or, yeah. the, or, or the gel, or, or the ooze, mm-hmm. or or you know the gelatinous cube, or and whatever. You just think, oh well, I've got a really high charisma score. I got a really high persuasion. I should be able to do this, right? And the answer is no. That's that's not how it works, right? You can't just because you have a skill doesn't automatically mean that you can walk into a bar and entice anyone. 
that that's not how that physically functions that's that's literally reality and the tone saying no right which is your job that is your one job as storyteller <laughs> is to, to say, say no, no. <laughs> and that's the whole thing is that you are the definitive line for tone mm-hmm. so when we then have a one or a 20 you are you should already be prepared to know what a one or a 20 does within the tone yeah yeah. You shouldn't just make up some ridiculous outcome. And that's where tone changes and the players get a bad idea of what the story could be. And I'll be I'll be I'll be honest with you, that's one of the big reasons why like I have n- never liked critical failure or critical success charts and stuff like that, yeah. you know, or the like Always, every single time, ever since I started role-playing, I've always rolled my eyes whenever, like, you roll the one and the GM is like, oh, you throw your sword and you hit Thrognar with it to roll damage. It's like, what? How How did I... I mean, I realize it's a one, but how did I mess up that bad? Do you realize you give me a 5% chance of, of throwing my sword across the room and hitting an ally? Like, yeah, that's astronomical. Right. But at the same time... If I am playing a tune campaign and I am attempting to hit the Roadrunner with an anvil that is 30 feet away from me, hanging by a hanging by a rope, and yeah. I cut the rope, and my, sk- my, my skill check, to, and I, I roll a one. I cut the rope, the rope goes slack, but nothing falls. Yeah. So my one is me walking over you... and looking up at it and trying to wonder and then climbing up over it and jumping on top of it to see why it's stuck <laughs> and then going back down to talk to the roadrunner and be like, it shouldn't have fallen. And then him it just falling on me randomly at that point. That fits within the tune world. That makes sense. Look, any game that has chutzpah as a stat, <laughs> you can do that in. <laughs> but I've already determined as the storyteller that that meets the tonal, tonal requirements of, of the course. story. Of course. And in some ways, some systems with crit charts do that to help you stay within the tone of the game. Mm-hmm. Like, if I'm playing Battletech and I make a critical hit, there's a chart to help well, me determine... Look, there's a mecha- Critical hits in Battletech are a mechanical thing. I'm just talking about the narrative behind it. But but what I'm saying is is that... that and that's a, it's a good universal example, but what I'm saying is is that Palladium has them. Other systems have them where crits, where crits have a defined reason behind them. And the reason why they're there is to help keep you within scope without letting you step away from that scope of tone. Okay, that's, you're never that's gonna fair. blow up the entire Veritech with a single shot that goes and busts its engine, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. unless it's Robotech, and that's on the chart. <laughs> you know, yeah, you know yeah. it, and that's the whole thing is is that you're you're all, they're trying to help set that tone so that the 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 storyteller can continue telling the story without having to come up with every one of those kind of settings. Mm-hmm. So that's where I always run the concern. And I, I and I, I've seen it here in chat is that if you set the rule to 23 and the person rolls a natural 20, they didn't make a 23. Well, right. maybe they did with their bonuses. But the point is, is that if you set the rule to 23, you better know what 23 means within the tone of your world. Yeah. Not they get to do whatever they want. Yeah, yeah, and and that's and that that's I think the big thing is that a lot of us um, we throw reality out the window when that nat twenty hits the hits the table because we're so I don't know we're so Pavlovian overjoyed just to see a, a, a you know a trained to to see a twenty as this great you know ultimate feat in D anD D but it it doesn't mean the a 
you automatically succeed. Like, that's not even in the rules. And B, it does not mean that reality turns on its edge and breaks. Correct. So, like, I seduce the, the, the ooze. Right. Does not work if you roll a nat 20. Nope. Because the ooze is not into you. No. The ooze does not have sexual organs. No. The ooze just splits when it gets big enough, and now there are two oozes. Right. It is not interested in going back to the tavern with you. <laughs> Correct. Correct. <laughs> it does not matter if you buy it a drink to gain advantage. One hundred percent. Right. That it just—it's just not going to happen. Sorry. It, you know exactly. And so uh, these stories that you see online, while very funny, you know, entertaining to see that you know, oh, I seduced a bugbear, and you know, blah blah, like, but. Look, I'm going to laugh just the same as the rest of us because it's funny to imagine. But if that ever happens in my game, well, it won't happen in my game. Right. Is what which, I'm saying. You know. Which brings us to Lord Barrington. Which brings us to Lord Barrington. Literally a player, and I, I'm, some of you probably remember this story. Yeah, a sure. A player wanted to play a bear. Not not a hyper-intelligent bear. Not, not a bear who's a person transformed into a bear. Literally, a bear mm-hmm. who's a fighter and wears armor and becomes Sir Barrington. <sighs> that is a break in tone. Yeah. That is not D&D. No, unless... Right. Unless that's the type of game you're running, and then it's perfectly on tone. But, like... Everything in that game better be damn that goofy. Right, but... That, you, you're and all anthropomorphic animals, you know? Right, right. Now... If literally your game is a chicken boo game where one of the players is literally a chicken, mm-hmm. where the rest of the players try to convince the world that they're not a chicken, that they're an, a, a knight, you know, who's done all these noble deeds and they helped save the town. And literally the villain's whole point is pointing at them going, that's a chicken. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and nobody believes the villain. So he's constantly trying to thwart the chicken, the entire thing. That's the kind of story. Like, I wanted to run a game like that where literally there was a velociraptor who was a knight. That's it. He was just a velociraptor in armor with a helmet, and everybody thought he was amazing. It's like, and the villain just, his whole job was trying to prove that that's a freaking velociraptor. Yeah. Not a, not, not a person, you know, and everyone's just like, how could you say that about him? Look, he's got giant tail. So it, so his body is different than ours. There are plenty of dragonborn out there. He just ate one of the, you know, one of the guards out front. He ate his head right off. I mean, it was a really terrible situation, but I'm sure that guard did not mean what he had to say, but I mean, honor was taken for honor honor (laughs) but i mean that's that's the whole thing it's it's ridiculous and it and that's the thing is is that you as the storyteller are helping to define that tone through ones and twenties yeah but also as a player you're following the tone that is being set forth to you right right and look we're 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 not here to tell you your fun is wrong like if that is the style game that you play and stuff like that and that is the tone of your game good yeah. As long as that's the tone yeah. and everybody's into it, yeah. then by all means, like that sounds like a fun game to play in. Rid- absolutely ridiculous hilarity the entire time. But it's not, it's, you know, a, a, a character like I would play that would be like dour and serious would be just as in conflict in that game out of tone. Yeah as chicken boo would be in my game. Right. And know? I think that's that's part of it is is that defining what you believe the tone to be at the game at the beginning of the game and seeing how the characters come together and then seeing if that's 
fitting with what the players wanted to play. Right. And as a storyteller, you know, nipping that in the bud, I suppose, earlier rather than later. Either you know, internally like, or if, telling if, them. If you are going to run a serious game, you know, like Session Zero sounds like a great time to have that conversation with your players about the tone. I agree. 100%. You know? And I, I think, you know, I've, I've heard plenty of plenty of stories about like, you know, okay, well, I'm going to run a D&D game and, some, and everybody shows up with their own characters. Well, I'm going to play this rogue who lost their parents and I'm going to play this cleric who was raised in the temple and I'm going to play a uh, person who was raised as a clown and hits people with, with cream pies. Oh, okay. And one of these things is not like the other, you know? Right. And right there at your session zero is when you start need to say, no, this is does not fit with the tone of the game that I'm running. That's right. goofy. It's zany. Maybe we can revisit that some other time when the tone is different. But this tone is going to be more serious. Yeah. There's going to be like themes and death and stuff, you know? Now, that being said... We look at characters like, you look at the characters that are in A-Team. Mm-hmm. You have a mad character who's a little who's a little off his rocker, but the rest of the players were fine with it. Mm-hmm. And did they tone themselves and play within the, play within the tone a little bit, but yeah. still have an independent character that was a little kooky? Yeah. Sure, why not? Hell, I got one of those at my table. Exactly. I and, have, a, we, we, we were converting over to Savage Worlds, character mm-hmm. literally took the delusional hindrance. Yep. And I was like... Okay, where are we going with this one? He says, believes he cannot be killed unless it's by that dragon. I'm like, alright, let me scratch my head about this one. Actually, yeah, I think I'm going to allow that one. I mean, it sounds a little out there. It sounds like, I I don't like having delusional characters at my table, I'll say that much. But like... That 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 character's motivations are so deeply rooted in lore, and and the outcomes of various things that happened in game and stuff like that. I'm like, that's actually a super logical outcome mm-hmm. to have this particular outlook. Like, there are four different aspects of your character that point at that being a thing. But not only that, you've had this character or yeah. had this player, and there's a level of trust because you've seen them play through. This character. Exactly. Exactly. And that that adds a whole other aspect to it while you're running a game is it do you have that trust between the players mm-hmm. that they will adjust their tone? Like we did the Surly Girl Scout thing, it happened. Yeah, sure. But it wasn't constant. It wasn't, it wasn't constant. It, it, and and I reeled the tone right back in and, mm-hmm. and it was it was like it worked. Yep. You know? You know, punchy moments happen. Yeah. And and I mean Sometimes you nuke the refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you nuke the refrigerator. It yeah. happens. Even even the greatest of storytellers and directors will make dumb mistakes in movies and stories, and you know, sillily think that you can survive a a nuclear explosion in a freaking uh, refrigerator that it, is then tossed a mile. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You weren't instantly liquefied upon that. In a very simulistic story. Yeah. No, no. Like, please move on from that. Please move on from that. You know? And, but it happens. It Mm -hmm. absolutely happens in almost all the stories. So it's just a matter of making sure that the consistency is there so that your players don't feel like, hey, this was slappy and fun, and now you're making the series and telling me I can't do these things? Right, right, right. I mean, yeah, it's... It's definitely a um, 
uh, there's, there's, there's a fine line to be walked. Yeah. Between, uh, between, hey, no, no laughing. Fun is mandatory. <laughs> Beatings will continue until morale improves. Exactly. And and letting people get off the rails. Right. You know, right. Right. Let 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 them have their little levity and stuff like that. And if they do go a little too far out of tone, just try to reel it back in. And right. And if they if if they continue to go out of tone, then it's a thing. Right. But. If it's not, then don't worry about it. Just let, just have your laugh and get back on track, you know? Yeah. I mean, again, are the players invested in the story? Yeah. Are they all enjoying themselves as a whole? Yeah. You know, and that's, and that's the other thing about tone. Yeah. Is that it's set collectively by the group, you know, not just by the storyteller. So like, I think if, like, if I sat down to play a game Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, I thought it was going to be a real serious thing, and literally all six of my players showed up with goofy ass characters. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, okay, clearly you guys want a particular type of story, <laughs> you know? Right. All like if it, if it was an offhanded comment from one of you, I'd be like, hey, get back in line. Right. But like all six of you brought chicken boo. Right. I guess we're doing a chicken boo story then, you know? Right, right, right. Maybe I need to change some things because you guys are clearly in the mood for something. Right, and that's the thing. Sometimes you need it. Yeah. And sometimes it's just an episode. Like, when we had the when we had the bard, Battle of the Bards. Yeah. It was very fun. Uh-huh. We had a lot of fun with that one. It worked out really well. I mean, we there is always going to be those moments where we all need a little levity and someone takes it and somebody else runs with it and the pun factory starts up and you, 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 you slide away from the seriousness of the story a little bit. But again, it's it takes it takes a good writer, aka storyteller and director to bring it back around. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Buffy had literally a puppet episode. A puppet episode. Was it Buffy or was it was it that Buff- Stargate did? Or or and, and Stargate definitely did. Yeah. I think uh it was either Buffy or Angel that had the Oh, it was Angel. Angel, was Angel. had had the yeah. puppet episode. Buffy had the musical episode. Buffy had a musical episode and it was brilliant. It was brilliantly done. Uh, and it actually advanced the plot quite a bit, which was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, I mean, like, we, you and I were talking about uh, Deep Space Nine earlier. Um, and my, my brother yeah. and I, uh, brother and I are huge Deep Space Nine fans. And uh, we would always talk about how every season needs the Ferengi episode. Yes. And it's literally just Quark and Rom and probably the Grand Nagus and a handful of other weird you know, it like it didn't get into any of the politics. It didn't advance the main meta plot any or anything like that. It's literally just Ferengi's going out and being crazy space capitalists and doing having a goofy adventure and falling all over themselves because none of them are capable warriors or scientists or anything like that. The only thing they know is running a bar. Yeah, <laughs> they get put in some weird wacky thing and they have a weird wacky story and then they come home and everything's fine. And uh, yeah. I mean, you gotta you gotta have the Ferengi episode every so and then, you know. Sure, sure. I mean, and and that's the kind of thing is is that uh, I I was reading uh, literally before you came over about this, and you just triggered it in my head. Um, somebody had done a uh, game where it was uh, the the story that he was doing was a racing story. Mm-hmm. That basically it was a racing group, and somebody was a mechanic, and you know two people were the racers, and people made cars, and it was gonna. Be, he wanted it to be a very serious tone that they were basically uh, trying to get to uh, you know uh, up a, a a ladder and beat these other teams 
from being, you know, by being like an underdog team and doing better and they had to get equipment and stuff. So he was kind of, it kind of felt a little like MechWarrior where you're like trying to get gear and sponsors and, and things like that. And the players all assumed they were doing Speed Racer. (laughs) I can see it. I can see and that. just that tonal difference. Not gonna lie. He, so he, you had he, he wrote up Days of Thunder. They exactly. all wanted to play Speed Racer. Exactly. Yep. And so he just went with it. He leaned into it. They had a great time with it. And as the story progressed, it got more serious. Uh huh. And became a very serious Days of Thunder ending. You know, with one of the players wrecking their car and dying. Oh wow. And it was a, it was it almost destroyed the whole story. Like the, the player was like, I don't know if I can race. Mm-hmm. Like I'm I'm sorry. Like. And the other players like, no, you got to do this. You got to do this for him, you know, yeah. kind of a thing. Yeah. You know, and they're like, can we bring him back? I'm like, there's no mechanics for life <laughs> this or is death. What he would have wanted. <laughs> yeah. No, I I see it. I see it. So so yeah, I mean that's that's like those kinds of things are fantastic, but you, you have to listen to your players. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Questions? You want to hit those? Uh, yeah, we can get into questions. All right. We got twenty minutes, and we got two questions, so we got a lot I of think, time to. I think we're going to be talking about this. A lot of time to pull over them. I uh, think so. All right. So, uh, Knox in the box asks, uh, "How do you handle a tone change when you've lost a bunch of old players and brought new ones in? Do you even change it, or do you just let the people who are now joining know what the established tone already is?" I think that really depends on a lot of factors. I think um, if you're talking about an existing campaign that just is like an ongoing campaign where people drop in and drop out and the mm-hmm. story just kind of keeps evolving, um, I think that it's it's you and the existing players who are setting that tone and the other players are sliding into that story. Because otherwise you run the risk of the entire story altering. Like the feel of the story. You go from, you, you go from Matlock to you know uh cartoon capers yeah you know yeah. and and none of your original players are going to be like accepting of that yeah i i i tend to agree um i i think if you're to, to, to me if you're if you're losing players and then cycling in new ones um to an extent where you need to worry about this mm-hmm. um I mean, the first thing, first thought that went through my head is I would just start a new game. Yeah. Like if I've lost that many players, I probably just need to scrap the old game and just start a new one. Yeah. But if you're if you're set on continuing your old plot, yeah, you should continue it with the old tone too. Yeah. Just Absolutely. Keep right on going. Um, especially because it 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 lends consistency to mm-hmm. the players that are that are that remain in your game. Mm-hmm. But uh, it it <laughs> it's kind of funny. This this is the the D and D group of Theseus. Yeah. No, that that's true. Yeah, at, at what point is it a new game with a new tone? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a great way to put it. That's a great way to put it. So yeah, I would I would I would agree like just either start a new game but otherwise continue the tone. Yeah, just can... just maintain how things are going. Yeah, definitely. And and I mean it, your your tone can change. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it should change because of the new players. No, it should change based upon the the situations. Now they're going to change the situations without a doubt because they're different people. Yeah. Yeah. And sure, that can that can start shifting the tone in a new direction. Your your players interacting with your story are like your story's never going to survive contact with your players. <laughs> never. So Never. Um, you know, obviously new players coming in will bring their own ideas of verisimilitude, their their own ideas on what the tone is, mm-hmm. and they're going to play the game that way. And if everybody else leans into that tone mm-hmm. as well, mm-hmm. yeah, you're going to have a tonal shift. Yeah. No. You know? I agree. And especially if you yes and your players. Yeah. You've already yesed them. So 
Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you're you're already leaning into that tonal shift as well, as long as you allow it. So right, right, cool. Um, Overwatch asks, what tricks can you use when the tone on your table does not necessarily match the desired tone of your game story? Your game is grim and gritty, but the players aren't feeling it. Or you have a social, fun social adventure planned by the table, and it gets dark quickly. How do you bring things back around, or do you? I think the or do you is the first part of it that I would talk about. If your players aren't wanting to play something that's grim and gritty, and you, you're you're not you're, you're forcing it, you're forcing a hand then. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a it's a matter of playing the story with them and letting them gain investment into it and maintaining where you're at. They're going to change things. They're going to have a tone that they're setting that is going to match yours, and it's a matter of not necessarily binding against it, but seeing if it can integrate with your idea so that you can progress forward. It's the it's the uh, the conversation that we had with, uh, are you playing Vampire the Masquerade as uh, what we do in the shadows? Oh, yes. Or Blade. <laughs> right. <laughs> you, you know, and like, you wanted to run Blade, and, you're fr- and everybody at your table is running what we do in the sta- shadows. Yes. And yes. We, we know that that's a thing that happens, and sometimes you run what we do in the shadows, and it becomes Blade. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you run blade, and it becomes what we do in the shadows. Yeah, most of the time it's what we, what we go ahead. We, it's, it ends comically. Yes, yes. Um, yes. But longer games tend to get as people get invested, they get more serious. It 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 is a thing. Um, but it's meant to be fun, and everybody's meant to be fun at the same level. Mm-hmm. So I would say, if you portray it one way to your players, and you you state that I want this to be grim and dark, and and it to be meaningful, um and have uh, serious tones to it, and you lay that groundwork early, but your players don't accept it or have a hard time accepting it, mm-hmm. maybe it's time to accept that you're going to have to change your tone a little bit and adjust and keep the story and aspects that you feel are serious, but allow them uh, their level of verisimilitude. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, I definitely agree with all that. Uh some of my own thoughts here. Um, your table does not necessarily match the desired tone of your game. Uh, so I, I already kind of mentioned of like, yes and, but then bring it back. Um, right. But I suppose like at a certain point, you can you can only do that so much. Mm-hmm. Like if it's continuously what we do in the shadows, there's only so many times you can be like, oh, haha, that was a very funny moment, but here's the serious response to it. Right. Oh, haha, that was another quippy, funny response, but here's the serious thing that happens as a consequence, you know. Right. Um usually just just giving them that is 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 an okay thing to kind of bring it back, but I think if it keeps going <laughs> I just I just you, you were saying that and all I could think of was Airplane, the movie. That juxtaposition between the seriousness of of some of the statements and the complete and utter ridiculousness of what was actually going on. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. You know, hold her, hold on to her. You know, she's jiggling, she's shimmying, she's shaking. <laughs> like everybody's making fun of it, but like, there's a serious tone there. Uh-huh. Like this guy is trying to land a plane and he has PTSD. You know, right, 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 but right. At the same time, like none of the players are taking this shit seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and so. So in that sense, you're still telling the same story, but you're you're fighting it the whole way, and it can work as long as you kind of blend, you know. You bring um, William Shatner in, you know. 
<laughs> I mean, yeah, there there's that, but like also, uh, you know, I I think uh one of the one of the big things of big piece of advice I've been I've been seeing tossed around in uh DMing circles and stuff of like that is don't use an out of an in-game solution to fix an out-of-game problem. Yeah. Um okay. and so if you do have a a, a tonal disagreement, a tonal misalignment mm-hmm. between you and your group, um and you genuinely are interested in bring it bring it back to where it is. Like I don't think there are in-game tips and tricks for that. No, that's a conversation. Yeah, that's a hey guys, can we talk about how game went? I have some thoughts, mm-hmm. and I was I've, I've, I'm just you know I'm I'm thinking that I wanted this story to be a little more serious or maybe a little more lighthearted. Yeah, um, and I feel like the game is kind of moving in this direction. And if that's the type of game you guys want. Okay, but I, I think I want it stated explicitly because right now there's a tonal difference and it's causing me some problems. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, and that's not a, that's, you know, not to say that like, oh, I hate you guys for role playing the way that you do or anything like that. I'm glad everybody's having fun. I just want to make sure that I'm telling the story everybody wants. Yeah. And also remember that I'm a player too. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm not having fun with the tonal difference here. And I feel like you guys aren't taking my serious story seriously. Or maybe you guys need to lighten up and realize that my goofy story is goofy. Yeah. You know. And, and I mean, you know, I wanted to play uh, Batman the Animated Series, and you guys are playing the 1970s Batman and Robin. <laughs> yeah. And uh, is there a way that maybe we can get back to to Batman the Animated Series? Like, and, and that's, that, again, it is a very much an out of game discussion mm-hmm. and and just and reference going in that direction um because it you know uh, players can get very gritty and can get very close to a game and get get into the details of it and you could want them to have a very much lighter uh look at it mm-hmm. and that's the same type of thing you know where you, yeah i oftentimes uh have players who tend to uh lean hard into aspects of their own character and to the detriment of the game. Mm-hmm. And I think to a degree that has some of the same qualifications that this does where, you know, well, my character is crazy. And so I'm making sure that, you know, I'm crazy when it, when it, when his triggers or her triggers comes around. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's totally changing the tone of the game because you, well, I'm just trying to play my character again. We're running the same thing that we talked about before and let's, okay, you need to, tone that back or right, we need but, to find a different but character. it's being disruptive yeah. right yeah. yeah yeah but the the comic that you sent with the 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 orc who was raised by uh clowns oh yeah yeah who yeah throws yeah. pies because he can throw improvised weapons and bought like 50 cream pies so he has enough mm-hmm. you know to use them as weapons and, and pay you know for the first two frames which is hilarious and then the second two frames are at you know was it 50, 50 hol- holding this door to the temple open, open. well it's, it's, it's like just go doors. like just go i'll hold it open and it's like, like no we're not leaving you behind he's like just go Oh, but 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 uh, Slappy, I I know I I know Atlantis uh, Atlantia. I've always known. I've always known. <laughs> <laughs> it's that seriousness that comes out of it at the yeah. end. It's like yes, if your characters get if your players get invested, the characters will get invested. Things will shift. It's yeah. gonna happen. Yeah. Um. You yeah. said Critical Role did that beautifully. Critic, uh, Sam Regal, uh, Critical Role. Yeah. yeah. Who uh, turned after Resurrection hard? 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, spo- spoilers for for season one. Uh, so I apologize for that. Um, but uh, yeah, Sam Regal playing uh, Scanlan Shorthalt um, was basically the slapstick comedy relief character firing lightning bolts out of his junk. Literally, literally out of his junk. Um, and uh, at a certain point in the story, he was starting to just kind of like do drugs and stuff like that and mm-hmm. like because he was the comic relief par- character everybody kind of played it off as oh haha it's crazy he's doing drugs but like it was a real cry for help mm-hmm. and then uh yeah after getting resurrected at one point um he basically just told the group that they needed to just screw right off because they didn't know who he was they didn't respect him as a person and he needed some alone time to spend with his family yeah and it was this real shock to the system when like the 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 comic relief character got super real with them mm-hmm. and there's this great moment where where they're like no we we care about you as a person we care about you he's like really what's my mother's name yeah and there's just silence and they're like but but we your mother's name is this your sister is this your brother is this you have two aunts and uncles you know like and starts listing on his family tree and his, and their names are X, Y, and Z. What's my mother's name? I've told you this before. Yeah. None of you can answer. What's my favorite color? Yeah. You know, something yeah. simple. Yeah. You know, and they, they don't know anything about him. Yeah. They, they've never made a connection, a personal because, connection. ooh, ha, ha, Scanlon's just here for the laughs, but you don't care. Nope. You're here as long as I'm funny, but now that I'm serious, you don't give a crap. Yeah. And he leaves. He yeah. leaves the party. Mm-hmm. And, like, there were people crying at the table. Mm-hmm. Like, very upset. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it was all in character. They're all friends still. But, yeah. like, man, it got an emotional response when that tone shifted. Yeah. Yeah. So. But, again, that's that's part and parcel to trusting your players. Yeah. And, you know, Matt trusting that. Sam, because it was Matt running that, that at that point, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and it was Matt trusting Sam that Sam would be able to pull off a comical character within the tone of the story, mm-hmm. and that it would be a meaningful character. Yeah. And and that wasn't a question at that point. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Batman the animated series is always the right choice. <laughs> fair. Oh fair. My God, Batman the animated fair. series is amazing. What's the name of the cat? Just tell me the name of the cat. Oh man, I loved that. I loved that. Uh, Boondock Saints. Oh yeah. Oh, where, where that poor cat. That poor cat. It's just like if you tell me the name of the cat, I will shoot myself in the head. <laughs> oh man, yeah. It's and that's again, that's another type of serious story with very. Uh, sh- very hard shifts in tones at times. Yeah, but that's it's... one of the reasons. Like, I found that movie a little difficult to deal with because you go from like well, it, I mean, it really had some weird tone. To it, it. it did, but at the same time, you get the same thing out of uh, Lucky Number Eleven. No, you do not get the same thing. Well, out of see, Lucky I I kind of do. And then what was the other one? Uh, what was the other one that was like that where it was just ridiculous? Like every Slevin was a masterpiece, by the way. And if you haven't seen it, I've seen it. This is yet. No, I don't mean oh, you. Oh, I just oh, mean the, our listeners. The listeners. Yes. Uh, if, if you haven't seen it, go out and see it because it is. Yeah. But I mean, we were, we were going through guess. so many places where movies and uh, um, dramas had made shifts and turns Oh, and I, you're yeah, like, I brought up R2-D2 and C-3PO. Yeah, go for that. Like, oh, yeah. Uh, do that I'm going to completely get Overwatch to send me death threats now. 
Um, because, uh, so Empire Strikes Back is my favorite Star Wars movie. And to, to be fair, I am not a huge, like huge, huge Star Wars fan. I've right. seen the movies. I appreciate them. I haven't seen the last movie. Okay. Yet. I don't really care. Okay. Um, I haven't seen Solo. Mm-hmm. I love the Mandalorian, but anyways, so, um, I grew up on the original, the original trilogy uh, right. and my favorite all time property in the Star Wars thing is Empire Strikes Back. Because I think it was really brave of George Lucas to publish a movie of uh, two hours worth of his protagonists getting their asses kicked and then just roll the credits on it. Um, but uh, end of the movie, you've got Han Solo has been captured and uh, uh, is encased in carbonite and is being carted off by Boba Fett. You've got uh, Darth Vader and a bunch of stormtroopers crawling all over Cloud, Cloud City. Mm-hmm. You've got Luke... Um, who is it, this, this whole trap has been sprung on him. So he's in the, he's in this mix now. Mm-hmm. He knows his friends are in danger. So he's already a little bit desperate. Um, the princess, I believe is also being carted off by the empire at this point, but Lando sweeps in and rescues her. Yeah. The turncoat sw- swings the, the tide. And, and everybody is just trying to get the hell out of, out of cloud city. One right. way or another, yeah. One way or another, they're they're making a mad dash through a bunch of stormtroopers to their ships, just trying to hopefully get away and fight off the 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 uh, uh, tie fighters long enough that they can make the jump to hyperspace. You know, right? Um, and it's this very desperate scene. Some of John Williams' best work, without a doubt, with that soundtrack in the background, just really hammering home the desperation and mm-hmm. the fear of everything going in there. And then you've got friggin' C-3PO trottling around in there making slapstick comic relief jokes. Yeah. And every single damn time he opens his mouth, I want to slap it back shut. Mm-hmm. Because I hate, 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 hate the fact that he was put in for comic relief in the middle of a scene like that. Yeah. Just just awful. Yeah. You know? And, and it grates on the tone of that entire scene every single time. I could see that. I could yeah. totally see that. So... You know, that's that's kind of the thing that I'm that I'm talking about in movies like yeah. turn around. I can't see anything. You know, okay. who, who gives yeah. a crap? 3PO. Shut up. We're being shot at. You yeah. know? Yeah. You don't need to see anything. Right. Relax. Exactly. Exactly. And and it it damages the tone of the game, but it didn't ruin it. No, it didn't ruin it. It didn't ruin it, but it, but it doesn't help it. It's a game movie. Yeah. It yeah. didn't help it. But it doesn't help it. Doesn't, it didn't add to it. It didn't add to it. So. All right, so next week's topic is death and consequences and why consequences are better than death for PCs. I think I think there's a lot that we could say there, but like I like consequences way better than I death. I like consequences way better than death. Sometimes <laughs> the consequence is death, but consequences are better than death. So you can find us on Twitter at ST underscore Conclave, on Instagram at ST underscore Conclave. Listen to us live every Wednesday night as we record on 7 p.m. Eastern Time on MixLR.com slash Storyteller dash Conclave. And uh, join us up on our Discord. You can find that link on our Twitter as well as our website, StorytellerConclave.com. We'd like to thank our named Patreon members, especially tonight. Knox the Box, Sam, the Arcane Asylum, Sparkle Motion, Veteran, and Hulavu. And the rest of you who help us uh, every week, uh, in, in I should say monthly, in making sure this show happens every week. 
Our pre-show anthem, our music is by Arcane Anthems. You can find that at patreon.com slash arcane anthems. Our uh, intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Geefrog. You can find that at geefrog.bandcamp.com or on Google Music. And our outro music, which is, you're hearing right now, is Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine. You can find that at freemusicarchive.org. And a big shout out, as always, to our families, Vicky and Sean. Thank you so much for loving and supporting thank us. Thank you. All of our friends who have sat with us at our tables over the years, uh, thank you so much for, for all of your support there. And for your hijinks that you create. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you, every single one of our listeners, thank you so much. We love you so much. Love you. Thank you. Good, Good night. night.